This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Even if they are our enemies, what's our task? Our task is to love them, serve them even. People that we just hate, the people we just can't stand, those are the people that we are to actively love. Likely, when you open up your social media feeds, you see people lobbing grenades about different ways of seeing the world. But how do we actually, as Christ followers, move forward from that fear-mongering and polarization? Well, in this conversation with Catherine McNeil, I talk about her recent book, Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. Might it be that the Christian church in the West begins to actually look like a community of love? Well, listen into my conversation with Catherine for some practical, encouraging steps forward. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In this season of the Finding Holy Podcast, we are exploring themes about going back in order to move forward. So whether we're looking backwards in time, in history, through theology, or even in our own stories, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to embrace our past so we can embrace our future. Stay with us. Hey, I am really excited to welcome Catherine McNeil to the Finding Holy podcast. She has been on to talk about her second book. And today we're talking about her third book, which is called Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. So thanks for being here, Catherine. Oh, thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm thrilled to be here. It's so fun. And I really enjoyed your book. I think it's such a timely topic. But, you know, as we even think about the whole book writing process, this is your third book. Mm. You are an active presence in your community and you're a mom and you have a huge garden. How do you reckon with your own limits and then also write books? What does that look like? Oh, wow. Well, first of all, I'm a I'm a big fan of limits. I've always been a, a policer of margin, I guess, or a protector, maybe a protector of yes. margin. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely need that spacious place around me in order yes. to do anything. Um, fortunately, writing is my job. So um, not necessarily writing books, but sitting down to write is what I do every day. So I think that maybe yep. makes it a little easier than if I was sitting down to do budget or something like that. Um, <laughs> right. um, yeah. But yes, I actually wrote this book, Fearing Bravely, um, in the middle of 2020. I wrote the entire thing in 2020. feels like a long time ago mm. now, but um, mm-hmm. 
when all the whole family was at home. So that that was it was harder than normal to find any kind of space or any kind of uh, creative place um, or time or brain energy. <laughs> if you guys re- all right. remember, right? Um, yes. So that was it was a particular challenge with this book, I think, but uh, we got it done. Yeah. Well done. Well done. So, you know, as we think about this topic of fear, I thought, I mean, I loved your, all of course, all of your sections as you're talking about how love, if we are rooted in God's love, that we're actually able to love our enemies. We are able to love our strangers and we are able to love our neighbors Mm -hmm. and they get kind of increasingly difficult. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you start out the book with talking about fear and the way in which fear has characterized particularly American Christians and particularly Mm -hmm. evangelicals, how have you seen that play out? And how do we begin to kind of peel back those layers? So if we Mm -hmm. realize, oh gosh, I, I am characterized more by fear than by love. What do we do to kind of move beyond that or move through it? Because that seems like the crux of this problem that, you know, I I think in different contexts, my husband and I are really trying to figure out how what Christians kind of say they believe Mm -hmm. and, you know, this gap of discipleship and and how we actually live. And it just strikes me this concept of fear is really important. So how do we both see it in ourselves and begin to kind of peel back those layers? Yeah, well, I think it is good to start with seeing it in ourselves. I almost always think Mm -hmm. our problems, the first step has to be paying attention and just gaining awareness about even our thought patterns, what we listen to, what we're kind of feeding into our into our minds, um, what we're saying. Mm -hmm. I think that if you kind of take a critical eye and I don't mean critical like negative, but like uh, t- you know, taking a step back and analyzing just a smidge, um, the, the sort of <laughs> things that you're hearing on the radio, the things you're hearing on television, even commercials, definitely internet, um, Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. the articles that we're reading, even the conversations we're having amongst ourselves, the messages we're hearing from the pulpit. So many of them are being driven by fear. And it's not, um, sometimes it's just sort of a nebulous fear, but sometimes it's specifically mm-hmm. describing um, people as people that we mm-hmm. should be afraid of, um, probably not using the word afraid. Um, but I just see such a vivid contrast between that and the way Jesus talked about mm-hmm. our fellow humans. And I think a lot of times we say, well, well, yeah, yeah, but you understand how dangerous things are right now? And the thing is, is Jesus was killed. Do you know, like, <laughs> right. Jesus was killed yeah. and he specifically said to his followers that they probably would be too and that they should really think mm-hmm. long and hard about that before they decided to follow him. Um I think we've watered all that down um mm-hmm. forgetting like that walking in God's love and following Jesus are not necessarily the same thing. That following Jesus is mm. is a narrow road according to Jesus. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's a dangerous one. And so mm-hmm. um, I think we have to be honest about the fact that there are dangers. Jesus isn't saying don't be afraid because everything's fine. Um, right. But yet, while Jesus was living this very dangerous lifestyle that ultimately resulted in his death, uh, he kept saying, don't keep your eyes on these things. Keep your eyes on um 
on on God and on the beauty and on mm-hmm. the on the gospel, the good news. He called it good news, <laughs> even though it was leading people to their deaths. He called it good news. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. we have just got it so upside down right now. We're warning people constantly, warning, 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 instead of being honest about the fact that there are dangers, but then pointing mm-hmm. people to joyfulness and God's presence. And then so much of what Jesus asked us to do is engage, engage with our neighbors, engage compassionately and sacrificially, even with strangers and even to enemies. And if we're so afraid mm-hmm. to that we can't even engage. And uh, I love that Jesus specifically expanded his command to enemies, because I think that's our loophole. You know, we'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We like, we agree with you, (laughs) Jesus, but you don't understand. Like, this is dangerous. And Jesus is like, yep. Like even your enemies, those are the people that you love. So we don't, we don't get a pass. There's not a single person (laughs) on the planet that does not fall into one of these categories, neighbor or stranger or enemy. All of those people, Mm -hmm. Jesus says, our posture towards should be love rather than fear. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's so compelling and it's so convicting. Um, what's what's a small way to start? You have, you know, these sections after each section, strangers, neighbors and enemies um, mm-hmm. about kind of brave steps, which are wonderful, like practical yeah. things that we can do to kind of move beyond just like, oh, this is such a really hard thing. And oh, and now I'm going to mm-hmm. just binge on Netflix. Um, so, you know, <laughs> in response. <laughs> You know, what's a small way that we can begin that process of that peeling back of those those layers of fear that we might have so that we can root ourselves in the fear of God that you talk about? Yeah, well, you know, maybe binge on Netflix a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like well, like you said, after every section, I do have quite a few reflection and discussion questions mm-hmm. so that people can do this with the group. And then I have practices um, to try. And I do think that it's important to... To, to practice yeah. as a community, as a group. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are definitely things here that you can do on your own, but uh, this just, this great commission of loving our neighbors, strangers, and enemies is not something Jesus ever envisioned we would do by ourselves. Yeah. It was always going to be a group project. Mm-hmm. So I do recommend finding a group of people that can partner with you and encourage you. Um, you know, some of us like to begin kind of with the inner inner life. Um, some of us are going to need to to take first steps that are more reflective in nature. Um, one that I, I love that I included in the book is called um, Loving Kindness Meditation. Mm-hmm. I didn't make that up. It's an ancient practice, um, but it's a, a regular prayer practice where um, you begin by just reflecting on God's love and um, maybe even envisioning like a circle. Uh, like uh, maybe like a spotlight. Mm-hmm. God's love is a spotlight. And in the center of that spotlight, you first put yourself. And then over time, and maybe a incredibly uh, loving person could do this in a few days, but I think most of us would need to practice this for years. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, you widen this, this kind of visual image of God's love to encompass not just yourself, because learning to realize that God loves us is a huge first step. Mm-hmm. I think we will we will send out a disfigured love if we haven't wrestled with how hard it is mm-hmm. sometimes for us to receive God's love on our own. Mm-hmm. But then we can widen that circle to our family and then to friends. And then eventually we can start including 
in our in our imagination people that we struggle to love ourselves in God's love and then expand that even to the people that are the very hardest for mm-hmm. us to love. Um, so I think for some of us, I go into a lot more detail on that practice yep. in the book, obviously, but some of us are going to need to start with an, with our internal practices because that's just how we roll. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a reflective person. I'm an introvert. Um, but some of us are going to want to start with action right away. And, you know, I recommend some pretty easy steps like having some people over for dinner that you wouldn't normally invite over or um, even just going for a walk and, and getting to know people that mm-hmm. are in your neighborhood. Um, and some bigger steps like trying to do some research and find out what your community actually needs. Are there open positions that you could fill or volunteer spaces? Um, starting to advocate, uh, making sure that your community is a place where strangers Immigrants, newcomers are welcome, mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's your school or your church or your neighborhood. Yeah. There's all kinds of things we yeah. can do. And we don't have to do all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you said, we're but, yeah, this is a group project. Um, yes, a good group project. Yes, which is really helpful. Thank you for those just kind of practical handholds to help us think through this uh, further. You know, as we think too about this, the idea of, you know, going back to go forward. You know, as you even look about some, maybe some of the rhetoric um, that was splashed around the internet in 2020 when you were writing this book, mm-hmm. to what extent do you feel like those, that the way in which fear kind of was a seedbed in the early days of the pandemic mm-hmm. have really shaped even, even how we approach neighbors, strangers, and friends two mm-hmm. years in mm-hmm. um, to the pandemic? And what can be done about that? It's really, it is complicated. It takes discernment. You know, I can't, if I am, say, contagious with COVID, I can't just like right. yeah. ru- rush into the local library right. and say, I'm here to love my neighbors. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill my neighbors right. is what I'm going to yeah. do. So I think uh, we don't do super well with nuance and subtlety in our culture. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I think we've gone into two camps. One, like the best way to love my neighbor is to never see them. Right. The other is the best way for me to love my neighbor is to pretend like there's not a pandemic yeah. and just continue to be full on in person in people's face all the time. And again, we're going to have to be more nuanced mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. But I think right now what we're most afraid of is the the people giving the opposite rhetoric. Uh, mm. we're, we're just so busy arguing about everything all the time that we don't Again, it has so much to do with our posture. Yeah. Um, what What is our posture towards whoever we're in a conversation with? We are going to probably vehemently agree, disagree, <laughs> vehemently disagree with a lot of people that we meet every day. But can we speak our, the truth in love, or are we going yeah. to be hitting them over the head? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We've we've really weaponized. You know, I think because of our fear, we therefore think people who disagree with our point of view mm-hmm. is, are, are our enemies um, yeah. instead of humans to love. Right. Well, and even if they are, even if they are our right. enemies, right? <laughs> what's our task? Our task is to love them, serve them mm-hmm. even. And one thing I go into in Fearing Bravely is, you know, there's two ways. Jesus says, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And 
at first glance, that sounds like kind of typical poetic parallelism, saying the same thing mm-hmm. twice. But I don't think, and quite a few other scholars, I, this, again, not an original thought, but it, yeah. I don't think God is saying um, that we need to go hang out with our abusers. Um, I, in fact, I'm confident. I'm, I'm yeah. putting my foot down. <laughs> that is not what God is saying. Um, some are persecutors we should pray for, and we do that from a distance. But mm-hmm. people that we just hate, the people we just can't mm-hmm. stand, those are the people that we are to actively love. I need mm-hmm. to bring, I need to bring casseroles and Starbucks gift cards to the people who drive me crazy, um, because yeah. the change that needs to happen in that relationship is in my own heart. So the people mm-hmm. who are causing me harm, I can pray for from a distance. Um, yeah. But the people whom I'm maybe tempted to harm, um, maybe just with my words maybe just with my attitude, those are the people that I should be actively serving per Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard teaching. It it (laughs) is a hard teaching. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so beautiful. You know, you talk about really that would characterize a Christian community with love in a way that we don't see, obviously, you know, in headlines. (laughs) Yeah. And just imagine what we could do if we work together on this group project, Christians all around the world. Yeah. It'd be beautiful. Yeah. We'd actually look like we had the Holy Spirit in us, that we, Ooh. you know, that, that we have some otherworldly power that's not just the <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Easter is on its way. If you're looking for a little companion to help you move towards Jesus's re- thoughtful, meaningful ways, may I suggest my Holy Week at Home bundle. You'll get several walking devotionals that will help you to meditate on Jesus's Passion Week, and you'll also get a workbook to help you count your joys and your losses, and a few fun activities that you can do with your families or friends, like make a sourdough starter, and also make tomb cookies to get into our bodies, whether we're walking or eating, that Jesus's death and resurrection changes everything. You can grab the Holy Week at Home bundle for just $5 in my shop, and you'll find the link in the show notes. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. You know, as we think about loving our neighbors and strangers and enemies, um, 
let's talk a little bit just about the love of God that compels us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if fear is one side of the coin um, that we are afraid or we're unduly afraid of God or we have these incorrect views of who God is and we're not, but we're also not able to accept God's love personally or, you know, as a collective group. Um, what does it let you know? You talked about that loving kindness meditation, but you know, what are maybe some of the questions that we can wrestle with um, as we talk together with other people to actually begin to experience God's love so that mm-hmm. then we can actually see oh gosh, that person that really annoys me that I don't have grace for, God has grace for too. And so how do I, even though I don't want to, you know, extend that grace to someone who's different from me? Yeah. Well, you know, I think we do make God in our own image a lot. And a lot of times I think we are, the Bible talks about fearing God and Mm -hmm. and that's meant to be, the word there doesn't mean trembling, because I think God is going to hurt me. It means fear as in reverence and awe. It Mm -hmm. means I'm going, God has arrested my attention so profoundly that I'm going to put my eyes and my ears, my heart, my mind on God, uh, regardless of what else is going on. Um, But I think ironically, a lot of us are actually afraid of God. I think a lot of us believe that God like we're just sort of one strike away from being thrown out that Jesus is barely sneaking us in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mildly disproving. Yeah. Like, <laughs> At the uh, best. Yeah. yeah. Um, that we're kind of in an, <laughs> Jesus is carrying us into the family in an unmarked box. I think mm-hmm. I said in the book, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, if God really knew who we were, that we were here in the family, God would just kick us out. God, we imagine God just being so, on the brink of just losing it. But I think Mm -hmm. that's because that's how we are. And that's how a lot of our parents were, or a lot of authority figures in our life Mm -hmm. were. Um, But the God of the Bible, and not just the New Testament God, the Old Testament God, for sure, is introduces himself as full of compassion, loving kindness, Mm -hmm. um, slow to anger, abounding and steadfast loving kindness. So um, I think we really need to re, re-meet God, the loving mm-hmm. God, the God whose face is shining on us um, with joy. Mm-hmm. Because as long as we think that God is chasing after us with a stick, waiting for us to mess up, we're not going to be brave. We're not going to mm-hmm. take uh, brave steps to do big things that we're probably going to fail at because Mm -hmm. we're so convinced that God is ready to punish us. But, Mm um, when we believe that God is just absolutely enveloping us with love and grace and mercy, then we can take the big steps. Then we can take the risks and fail Mm -hmm. because we will fail. Mm -hmm. These things are too big for us. We are not going to be like, yeah, we have succeeded. Everyone (laughs) is loved. Like all the injustice has been torn down. Um, We're not going to get to the end having succeeded. But if we can get to the end, having tried and failed and tried and failed and learned a little bit every single time and made a little bit more progress every time, then we'll have gone so far. Mm-hmm. And But I think we don't have the bravery to do that unless we believe that God's posture towards us is loving. And then we can begin to try out a loving posture. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And fail at it. I love that. And fail. Brought that, yeah. That there's growth and it's okay to fail. Right. You don't have because, to do you know, like, perfectly. Think about our toddlers, you know, like they're taking their first steps. Like we don't yell at them when they toddle on their bottom. <laughs> we cheer because it was so cute, you know, right. and they did so great. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how they learn to walk into our arms mm-hmm. joyfully. And we toss them up into the air because they were, they, they just beamed at us when they stood on their feet for the first time and immediately fell over. And they just yep. beamed at us when they took the first two steps and then immediately fell over. And I think if we can remember mm. that that's what our relationship with God looks like. God mm-hmm. is just so excited when we stand up and point our face to him that he's mm-hmm. not like, wait, why don't you like get it all the way across the room? <laughs> right. And then, then I'll love right. you. Yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, that's really great. It's a helpful image to keep in our back pockets too, as we think through some of these topics early on in the book, you talk about the difference between kind of believing in God and following him. Mm-hmm. Can you tease that out for us a little bit? Where have you seen the American church not actually follow God mm-hmm. in, in some of these things that you're talking about and what might our churches do in terms of discipleship and formation to help us do that? Oh man. Well, how much time do we have? Right. I know. Lot. Can you solve Can all the problems? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, uh, you know, I think about this a lot. I wrestle with this a lot. I, I want to come out the gate saying I wholeheartedly affirm that we are saved by grace through faith. And it is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, lest none of us boast. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what we, I think, again, because we're so afraid, I think we stop there. But that's how we get into the family. You know, Mm -hmm. like, again, going back to my kids, if I said, you know, while I'm recording this podcast, I want you guys to do the dishes and fold the laundry and make sure that, you know, the toys are put away. And if I come downstairs later and none of those things have happened and they're like, but we didn't ask for you to love us or to be born. Like you brought us into this family just out of your own love. Like we don't have to do anything to earn your love. I'd be like, that's all true. And also I gave you this list of things to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah. not going to kick them out of the house. Right. Um, they didn't, my children didn't do anything to earn my love or their place in this family, whether I birthed them or adopted them. That was on me. Yep. But now that they're in the family, there's work to do. And Mm -hmm. I think we're so afraid that God is an abusive parent, Mm -hmm. that we are just too afraid to even have a conversation about, yeah, God brought us into this family, not because of anything we did to earn it, but because of God's joyful, loving plan. Mm -hmm. And what does he have this family for? What does he want us to do? Yeah. I love that you asked that question. What is this family for? And so now that we're in the family, no one's kicking us out. Nobody is going to punish us or abuse us, meaning from God. (laughs) Um, if, if we are abused, that's not coming from God. Um, now that we're here, what does God want us to do? And there's so many things and they are hard things, but they are joyful things. And that's what the Holy Spirit is for, to empower us to to, to try and fail and try again. Um, I can't even remember mm-hmm. what your original question was, but I think we are so <laughs> afraid, again, to even open our mind to the idea that now that we are loved with an everlasting love, God has some work for us to do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But he, yeah, but he, but he so does. Do think, yeah. Yeah. So the, the second part of that question was, you know, what might our churches do to help us 
begin to practice that, to actually fall, to get up and do something and to, to follow Jesus in this mm-hmm. narrow way and not simply be like, yep, I've checked all these boxes of belief and so I'm good to go. Yeah. Well, you know, ideally that's where discipleship and spiritual formation would come into play. Um, that once people are brought into this joyful family, that we are still begin to be formed as people who are living in the world in a particular way. Um, I just so often hear people say, no, I don't have to do that. I'm saved by grace. Mm -hmm. And it's like that, well, you are saved by grace, but now we get to do these things that God has asked us to do. So I think, I do think we have, we love to talk about belief and are we believing Mm -hmm. the right things? Um, And that's important. But there's a lot of really (laughs) practical steps that Mm -hmm. Jesus has asked his followers. And, you know, I talk in the book about the the fishermen that Jesus called Mm -hmm. from their boats. They didn't just kind of shout from their boats, we agree with you, Jesus. We believe in you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They they got up and they walked and they Mm -hmm. left their their boats and their nets behind and they, they walked every single day. They walked behind Jesus. It was something they did with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that changed where their bodies were for the rest of their lives. And I do think we've lost that. I think as long mm-hmm. as we kind of shout from the pews, we believe in you, Jesus. We hear you. We agree with you. Uh, we think that's enough. Um, but that's, mm. that's not what Jesus asked us to do. Mm. What do you think, you know, just in your own life and experience um, amongst Christians of various sorts, what is the thing that has characterized those folks that you know in your own context that have actually followed after Jesus? What mm. has been some of that reality, if we could parse that out a little bit? Well, you know, what comes to my mind first is a compassion, a compassion mm. that begins with themselves and extends to others, um, and a joy. And I, if you read this book, or if you read any of my books, I think you'll see I'm really not Pollyannish at all. I am really <laughs> upfront about how much trouble there is and how much suffering. So when I talk about the joy that I've seen in people who are actually using their bodies to follow Jesus, I don't mean that everything goes fine for them now because they have a relationship with God. That's not in the Bible. That's not anywhere in human history. Um, but God does promise a joy that surpasses mm. our our circumstances. And that's that's why love can overcome our fear is because when we have our eyes on God, things just look differently. And we see that in the early disciples as well. Um, they were so confused, so afraid. They even left Jesus when he was arrested. Um, but something happened after his resurrection that led them to joyfully suffer in prison um, joyfully suffer as they themselves were arrested, yeah. persecuted, sometimes killed. Um, so something something changed in Jesus' death and resurrection. And um, I just, I long for today's church mm-hmm. to really wrestle with what mm-hmm. that is and how we can join mm-hmm. the followers of Jesus. Me too. Yeah, it feels so like, you know, it's an amalgam of so many small habits, so, you know, small choices and you know, choosing to say mm-hmm. that this community is my community. Mm-hmm. You know, as we think about 
what we might do as we, you know, obviously I recommend your book, uh, Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. It's not a scary book, listeners. <laughs> um, I think, you know, sometimes you'd be like, oh, this is this is hmm. too hard. I don't even want to like deal with this topic um, because I'm, I can't even love myself. I can't even love my family. Well, I think, Catherine, mm-hmm. you do a great job of helping us kind of peel back those layers of fear and what is it and and spurring us on towards love because we are loved um and so yes it is a hard it is a hard call at the same time it is not it doesn't feel like you're putting millstones around your reader's neck so thank you good yeah um it's a hard that's a hard line to to hit but um I'm glad to hear you say that because you know all the things I've just said about not seeing God as an abusive, punishing parent, you know, I I did not, I wanted to be really careful in writing it, that I wasn't, that I was invitational, and that it was a a message of grace and compassion, Mm -hmm. um, even though it is Mm -hmm. a hard, Mm -hmm. hard call, a hard teaching. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. That was that was foremost in my mind. (laughs) Well, you, you were successful, but I, you know, as we think, um, about this. I mean, really, like if we were able to love our neighbors, strangers and enemies, um, Christians would look different. (laughs) You know, we would, um, especially Mm -hmm. in, Mm -hmm. you know, in the West, um, where we have had some political power in the past, um, to actually love so generously, I think, you know, could actually Mm -hmm. make Christianity beautiful again. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, you know, so what might you suggest as like a a personal practice for our listeners and maybe a a group practice, you know, a church, maybe a church-wide practice Mm. or, you know, what is something that you, you have done to kind of get this story in your bones on a daily basis? And what, what would you recommend folks think about doing together? You know, one thing, well, I've listed a number of things already here. You know, I think gain awareness Mm -hmm. of your thought patterns and the voices that you're hearing and the voices Mm -hmm. that you're disseminating. Um, Don't just ask yourself, is this true? Ask yourself, is this true? And in the tone Mm -hmm. that Jesus Mm -hmm. is using, you know, um, I think... uh, we forget that how we how we talk and act is needs to be measured by Jesus as just mm-hmm. as much as the content. But I think I think just getting to know people mm-hmm. who are different from us is is a really important first step. You know, like uh, next Thanksgiving or kind of like yeah. a medium sized holiday. You know, it doesn't have to be your birthday, but um, next Thanksgiving or next 4th of July or next Memorial day or labor day, have some people over that you don't normally hang out with. Maybe some neighbors that for whatever reason, just have not really appealed to you or you haven't really connected with, or, um, find out who is new to your country and invite them over because the vast, vast majority of immigrants to the United States are never invited into a citizen's living mm. room or, or kitchen. It is. And that is devastating, especially um, considering we consider ourselves a Christian uh, nation, so to speak. Um, so I think get to know intentionally, mm-hmm. get to know mm-hmm. people that are near you but that for whatever reason, whether they're neighbors or strangers, maybe don't have enemies over to your living room. But um, 
just have some people over if it's COVID safe. And if not, have them over into the yard and um, just get to know people that are different from the people you've gotten to know up until now. Uh, that's something you can do on your own, um, something you can do with your family. It's something you can do with your church community. Um, so I think just start yeah. by getting to know people. And and that's going to blow your mind. That's going to expand your horizons and break some stereotypes. And, um, and the awesome thing about relationships is that it's not just that you'll be providing yeah. something for them. They will provide something for you. And we have to be open to that. Like allow mm. yourself to receive as well as to give as you as you do these new mm. relationship things together in community. That's great. Thank you for giving us just yeah, a few practical things that can help us move forward um, mm -hmm. in this journey. Yeah, lots more of those in the book. And I also have a facilitator's guide. If I wrote it to be something that you could read on your own, but I would love for churches or groups to go through it together. And there's, like I said, there's plenty of fodder after every section. And then I have a facilitator's guide that's free as well that I can provide to you. So Awesome. We'll get that yeah. in the show notes for sure. Well, as we conclude, Catherine, I love to ask everyone what their laundry routine is. So tell mm. us your laundry routine. Yeah. <laughs> My laundry routine is to send all the laundry down the chute and then let it Ooh, shoot. sit. Fun. Yeah, we, we had it built. Nice. Um, and then let it lay on my cold, dirty basement floor for weeks mm -hmm. and then wash it and then wash it again a couple days later and then yep. dry it and then have it sit in a basket for another couple of days and then have my kids mm -hmm. fold it. Yeah, there so that's go. my laundry routine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a village. Sometimes a lot of time. It's good. But I love it. Well, thank you for your good encouragement. Um, thank you so much for your book, Fearing Bravely. And you can grab a copy of the book at the link in the show notes. So thanks that for being That would be great. I hope you do. Yeah. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Catherine McNeil. You can grab a copy of both that facilitator's guide and a copy of her book, Fearing Bravely, at the link in the show notes. I would encourage you to grab some friends and read this book together. It's actually such an inviting invitation to thinking about how to peel back these layers of fear and to move forward in love. There's some great practical suggestions as well. But as we think about what does it look like to go back in order to go forward, I want to give you one small step. And I would encourage you this week to put some time on your calendar to think back to those early days of the pandemic. I want you to remember maybe some of that fear that you felt because fear is not a bad thing. It's yet when we are characterized by that fear instead of the love of God, when fear grows out of proportion, that it becomes problematic. So begin to take some time to remember to go back even just a few years to the beginning of the pandemic. What were your fears about? And can you practice in a time of prayer, revisiting those fears with Jesus to give them back to him and to know that ultimately we have nothing to fear if we find ourselves in the love of God I would encourage you as well to begin to peel back some of those layers of fear in your own heart, in your own area, in your neighborhood, in your church, but begin even just thinking about it personally. What fears do you have? What fears do you still have? Maybe that you're holding on to in your body, 
and how might you begin to release them through a practice of prayer and even moving your body. I love to talk about moving our bodies at a human pace. And sometimes that pace is quick and go get them. And sometimes that pace is slow and it is okay to be human. I'd encourage you to maybe go for a walk, have it be a prayer walk, move your body at a human pace and begin to pull back some of those own, your own layers of fear with God. Thank you, friends, for being here. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AA Hales. If you are looking for a book that will help you center your life on God, that will see your own limits as invitations, I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of A Spacious Life. It's available on ebook, paperback, and audio, however you like to read your books. So thank you, friends, and remember, big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.